I think my writing niche is just like, here's all my problems. Let's laugh about it. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. I met Carrie Pomeroli through Instagram. I just thought she was so freaking funny, also a single mom and a writer like me, so I reached out. We had an ice cream date with our kids and have been in touch ever since. I love her candor about eating, homeschooling, aging, and also, I'm in awe about how she takes to the road as a stand-up comedian while being a mom. Plus, we both share the desire to be supermodels. It's so amazing to have you on the show, Carrie. That was the sweetest intro. That was adorable. I think we need an ice cream date very soon again. Very soon. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about the stages that you do comedy on. I know you travel to churches and you have a large, large Christian audience. So how do you strike that fine balance of doing cleanish comedy and owning your power as a comedian? I like to make Christians uncomfortable with my semi-edgy comedy, which is a joy for me. Um, but I like to, uh, you know, own who I am, which is I am a person of faith, just like Jerry Seinfeld is a Jewish comedian. So it just happens to be a part of who, who I am on stage and off stage. So it makes its way into my act. But whether I'm in a comedy club or a corporate setting, I just try to be authentic with what's going on in my life. And if that's a part of my faith journey and there's something funny about it, I'll I'll talk about it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, there you've been around for a really long time. You've stuck it out. And well, not I mean, I don't mean that that way, but girl, we're you're getting old. to that point. Girl, you're old. People are like, How did you do it? I mean, you didn't die. You're still here. But there's horror stories, right, about being a female oh, comedian. Oh. I mean, I love Tiffany Haddish's book. She really laid out the sexism. When you were coming up in Hollywood, what did you experience? I I have to be honest with you. It wasn't as bad for me because I didn't do clubs full time. And a lot of my friends that were doing clubs and you're stuck in a condo with like three dudes in one bedroom, you know, that's like scary. I think that I felt as a person who wanted to do things a certain way, like clean, that I was being sexualized sometimes. And so it was like a big sitcom deal was at my disposal. And they're like, you know, it'd be really funny if you got a breast enlargement, we would love it. Like, it'd be awesome for the comedy show. So those things were happening um, as I was coming up. And I learned the power very, very early of saying no. And valuing myself. And that's probably one of the reasons I'm still here. Wow. So they thought that if your boobs like what jiggled around on camera, that would be inherently funny. They wanted it to be a part of the sitcom about my life. They think that Comedy Central, when I was doing comedy, they were like that Christian thing that you do, that airhead, that's really hilarious, that character. And I'm like, no, that's just me. And they were like, well, (laughs) episode one should be her being a Christian and getting a boob job in Hollywood. And I'm like, I don't find that humorous. Um, I don't find that to fit my brand. It's not, you know, it's not who I am. And so I've had to walk away from things 
Um, even as a mom, you know, we're both moms. My, my daughter early on in her life, really young, uh, was doing film and TV and got some really for a five year old to get offered a sitcom on NBC. And we were like, this script does not align with our, our values. And I don't want her in therapy someday going, my mom, let me do this really dirty show. So we've had to, I've had to use the power of no and still do very often, but I've, I've never regretted it. I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that story. And that's such valuable information. Were there times that you were like, oh, this isn't going to work. I need to get a real job. Uh, yeah. Like now in the pandemic, <laughs> like it's so funny in the world of entertainment, in the world of book world, no matter how long you've been doing it, all that credibility is only as good as your last job. And so even now I joke with my comedian friends, should I self root on the freeway? Like, should I? And I've realized that a lot of us entertainers don't have a lot of various job skills. So it's just a matter of white knuckling it and being like, God, I know you're going to give me a path back to work. I've been doing shows in my bedroom virtually, you know? So um, I don't think at any level of success, do you ever stop thinking this may not be permanent? Yeah. I, I, well, I think you're drawn back to it like a moth to a flame, right? And from what I'm getting from oh, you is there's community. Do you, do you have, and I don't want to just um, say women, there might be men. Do you have a community of like you know, comedians or performers that you yeah. can talk to? But you know what? It gets lonelier the more successful you get. When I was new and young and I had energy to go to the clubs and go to the diner and, you know, I married a comedian and we were all hanging out. And then as you progress in your career, you're on the road alone. And so the community is very small. I have to reach out, call somebody on the phone. It's very rare that I tour with anybody else. And so it's like I'm making these new friends for 24 hours because I just landed at the airport and whoever picked me up is my new best friend. And it's a little bit wonderful and a little bit exhausting because you have to be on the whole, you know, the whole time. But I, I love my job and I wouldn't trade it. But I do have a couple confidants for sure. And what's your I what's your favorite hotel? What's the most innocuous hotel experience you've had in your tour? Uh, my favorite. Well, I mean, um, sometimes I mean, I could even let me let me flip the question. <laughs> let me tell you, I was going to Ohio. This is one of my favorite stories early, early on, very early on. And the guy picks me up from my gig. And it was like some family fundraiser. And he pulls up to the hotel. I'm in the minivan with all the kids. He comes back out and he goes, well, Marge forgot to make the reservation. And like his wife's like, what? He's like, she can sleep in the basement in mommy's room. And I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm in Ohio. I can't leave. Well, Tommy better clean up his socks then. And I'm like, this is not real. This is. And then the next thing you know, I'm in this basement and there's Star Wars posters. I mean, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, yes, I'm paying my dues. I'm in some 10 year old's room right now. You know, <laughs> I have a million of those stories. So every time I get a nice bed, I'm super grateful. You know what I mean? <gasps> That's great. You're like comfort in plus. Oh, I'm the like, way to go. like, and yes, yes. Two ends with a holiday and they spelled it right. Um, <gasps> yeah. So I do have a rider now that says you do have to put me in a hotel and like we've done things as a female, I've had to put things in. Like you have to have your boundaries. Like I'll say, I need a hotel with room service. No, I'm not using the room service, but at least you're protecting yourself from getting to the no-tell motel where the gang members are greeting you as you check. You know what I mean? Like I've had those. So you just kind of, I used to always put 
when I was really young and like in my twenties, I would put, I, I want to have, um, females like around picking me up because I did have some scary, like I had some dudes picking me up a couple of times and driving through the fields of, I think it was East coast Delaware. And this guy's like, I just need to tell you something. I'm in love with you. I saw you on YouTube and I'm, and I'm like in a car going, I'm going to get, I'm CSI. Like he's going to eat me. And he, he checked me into the hotel. Like he checked me in. He's like, I have your keys. And I go to the hotel and he walks me like it was just, and I was probably 27 and you know, um, and I called my manager at the time and he was from Texas and he's like, girl, you're going to get dead. You're going to eat and kill you. He's going to kill you in your sleep. You're going to die. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I don't. So I had to put some things in my, in my contracts. I would you say know. so. I would say so. No, that's a good, that's a good safety, safety net. And you're not, you know, it's not just the comedy on the stage. You're also a writer. And, you know, we talk about yep. writing books on this show. What do you love about writing? You know, I love the fact that somebody can read about my vulnerable dysfunctions and, and be moved by it. I, um, I'm not a quick writer. I can only write in, in the moment. If it's gone, it's gone. But I really lay it all out. I don't hold back. And if I can help somebody feel better about themselves by sharing, I mean, I think my writing niche is just like, here's all my problems. Let's laugh about it. So that's kind of my, my joy is when somebody says I was really helped and, and I laughed and I really needed that, that laughter. Before we continue, let me ask you something. Do you want to get naked with your story, but you're scared? Well, you've been listening to all these amazing guests that I have on my show bear their soul and tell their stories. And some of them have even written books. Now it might be your turn. With five ways to get naked with your story, I provide a safe and quick solution that really will only take about 30 minutes of your time to work through some of your story in a new way. I promise you it'll be fun, it'll be easy, and you will have moments of enlightenment. So go to a storyinside.com backslash naked to get started and know I'm here for you. And now back to our amazing guest. And where do you struggle? I mean, where do you just want to vomit on about writing? Like, oh, where are you just I, done? I am so done right now because I'm not on a deadline. I'm on a semi deadline. And I have kids and I'm homeschooling and I keep going, I'm going to write that chapter. I'm going to write that chapter. I'm going to. And then I like, don't do it. And then if I write something, like I wrote a magazine article for this teen magazine thing. And then they were like, it's a little too mature. Can you fix it? And I'm so tired and exhausted. I'm kind of like, no, I don't want to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Just take it. Let them learn something. They can grow up faster. Like, stop telling me what to do, you know, because we writers are very arrogant people. We just, you know, like want to do our thing. I've really struggled in this whole past seven months being motivated. Um, I, any writer who's listening will know the proposal is harder than the book. And so I'm working on the proposal right now for my next book. And it's like giving birth. Would you not agree? You know, it's just oh, a process. That's what I do with people all the time as a book coach. Yes. We, we birth the dream, basically. And it's not an easy birthing process. Um, you had two books that were bestsellers, uh, Confessions of a Proverbs 32 Woman and Proverbs 32 Woman Devotional. And I yep. loved 
first of all, you gifted me the books, which was like incredibly sweet because nobody ever gives me anything. So thank you. And when I got the books in the mail, they came with this like blingy pen. And I have to tell you, I was more (laughs) in love with the pen than I was with the books. I picked out the pen. I had the pens made, the diamond pens. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. That was a really cool promotion. And how involved are you as a writer in those marketing decisions? Very, very. And today publishers, you know, they don't have the bandwidth. I think a personal touch goes a long way. I mean, a handwritten thank you note, a pen, something that says, this is not just a book that was sent out by my publisher. If you really want to get somebody's attention, I'm going to tell you a story that I've never told publicly. Okay. This is like, this is premiere. We're premiering. It's sweet and embarrassing. But so when I was in my twenties, I was out in LA and I was trying to make a living as an actor and I was just like so clueless. And my dad is this Italian father from Detroit who doesn't know how to, he just would die for his daughters, right? So I did not tell my father to do this, but he looked up, I swear, this must have been back in the day where you have to look on the phone book. And he um, was was living in, in Georgia and he made barbecue sauce. This is like early 2000s. He sent like the hottest agencies homemade barbecue sauce with a homemade letter from an Italian father that said, will you please meet my daughter? I'm talking about William Morris. I'm talking about Endeavor. And let me just tell you something. I got meetings with some of the top people in Hollywood because my father wrote him a handwritten letter. I mean, it was so like embarrassing and crazy, but the fact that they were so flabbergasted that a dad would do that, you know, for this 22 year old trying to make it in Hollywood, but I've never forgotten that because I still use those those lessons today about people just want a, a human touch. People want to receive a handwritten card. And I do some of them, you know, thank you notes. I don't do enough of them. This is reminding me to do more of them. And they love food. If you send yep. someone, my my the, the woman that helps to be on my podcast, when I hired her, she sent me chocolates from Sugarfina. And a scent yeah. stick. And I swear to God, I like would refer her to a thousand people because it, is, it was such a beautiful a gift. Art. It's a lost art form. Even when my neighbors moved down on my street, I, you know, it's the southerner in me and I feel like it's lost. But if, if you're listening right now and you want to write a book or you want to take your career to the next level, like get out of your box. Emails are overrated. Do snail mail. You know what I mean? Like, do something, make a postcard with your picture on it and include, send them a pen. You know what I mean? Like these are not expensive things. You can go to a, a company that makes pens and they're 50 cents. You just don't even know what somebody was having a bad day and they get a smiley face sticker in the mail. You know what I mean? Uh, it's to amazing. Remind them about you. Yeah. It's really amazing. You're right. You don't have to go overboard and send $75 flowers to everybody that you want a job from or, right. or whatever. Just a thank you card, right? Um, so COVID, you know, I know you're struggling. A lot of people are struggling. I understand the motivation, but you did, by the way, can we just do a shout out? You created a podcast that's out there, Two Tired Moms. And, you know, you're saying it's a podcast, but I watch it. It's a television show. So where are we going with this? Um, thank you for asking. I tried to do a podcast last year and full confession, being a Gen Xer, I just think my partner and I didn't know how to push all the right buttons. So now we've hired a millennial, um, <laughs> you know, and so his name is Andreas and he's helping us. And so we started it with a YouTube show because Susie is a comedic writer and she's like, I'm exhausted and I hate my life. And I'm like, me too. Let's talk about it. 
And we're very different. We're yin and yang. She's like breastfeeding till my kids are 30. And I'm like, if you're bleeding, don't bother me, parents. So we've just had fun and we're launching the actual podcast next week, but we're just having fun. I mean, I'll do a show and just talk about ex-boyfriends. And then all of a sudden on Facebook, they, they're like chiming in. So it definitely isn't all mom topics, but I wanted to jump on the podcast bandwagon. I just didn't know how. So I think we need a millennial um, in our lives all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, there are, I, I was, I laughed because it took me so long to start the podcast because I was afraid of all the technical and yet people were like, so you produced million dollar movies and told a hundred people what to do. And yet you're afraid of like iHeartRadio. I support you. I get it. I've written six books. I do not know how to plug in a microphone. Okay. Yes. It's terrible. <laughs> we I are mean, okay with this. We are okay with this. We do my not mother, have to be masters of everything. The first time my mother did a Zoom with me, she's in Georgia. She's like, Carrie, I don't see the room. It says I'm supposed to be in a room, but it just looks like your living room. I'm very confused. Where is the Zoom room? And I was like, mom, just call me on the phone. Like, this is stupid. Like, you know, she just didn't get, I mean, I think we're an evolving species. So I think it's, I'm proud of you and I'm proud of me for, yes. for jumping in. I, I'm really, I, I love your post. I love, I've listened to some of your episodes, um, even before you asked me. So, and I just, uh, I love how encouraging you are to all the people that have come into your stream and for people in LA to reach out is not exactly the most commonplace thing. So I just admire you for encouraging, you know, others along your journey. Thank you so much. And I have so much respect for you too. And I'm so grateful that I had you on the show and I want to wrap with this. Okay. So you say you make a mean gumbo. What's the trick? <laughs> uh, the trick is, is called the roux. So if you know Southern cooking, it's like gumbo is not a slow dish. So if everybody, anybody ever invites you, it's Cajun cooking. And so Cajun cooking has to take many, many hours. It's like, you can't make, you know, if you talk to somebody who's Latino and they're making tamales in two hours, you don't want to eat that tamale. You want the 12 hours. So to make a good gumbo, you got to start in the morning and you're not going to eat till late at night. So we just gave people something to do. And read and read all of our our books and listen to our podcasts and give us and support us support us so that we can afford yeah. to hire people to turn things on for yeah. us send yeah. send cash send cash <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much it was so wonderful talking to you uh, anytime you've been listening to you should write a book about that if you enjoyed our episode tell a friend to listen subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond. <laughs>